<laughs> Welcome to all of the campuses. I've got a big smile on my face because we just had church up in here. <laughs> and I'm trusting you have church in Kenya, Columbia, Sanford, Garner, Hillsboro, Wake Forest, Durham campus. I think I got them all. Welcome. Those of you online, come on, everybody. Just celebrate the goodness of God and welcome everybody today. We love you guys at all of the campus locations. I know coming out of worship like that, where did the year go? I mean, Christmas is upon us, but before we get to that, we got a little something, something to celebrate this Thursday. Do I have any thankful people in the house? I, I'm just wondering, any, any thankful people? If God's been good to you, let me hear an amen. So good, so good. So that's our Christmas series that will begin in just a few weeks. You could tell it's a really, um, really cool bumper video trailer that we wanted to get in front of you. Uh, everybody say foretold. I know it's not a real common word for us, so let's say it one more time. Foretold. We're going to actually be looking at Christmas this year through the lens of the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at Old Testament prophecy that was fulfilled impeccably so uh, by faithful God to bring forth the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world. Really, really excited about that. Um, also, just wanted to give a, a little heads up to you. I don't like to catch you off guard, but Thanksgiving is Thursday, then Christmas, which means the end of the year is coming. And what's really cool about this church is your end of the year giving is always so generous and so gracious and allows us to do some really, really cool things. This year, the end of the year giving is going to go to Offering Hope internationally and locally. You do know, don't you, that the, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so we're going to actually be introducing you to a vision that we've had for several years that is actually coming to pass. It's a dream center. Everybody say dream center. It's a dream center in Kenya, and it's quite possibly a door has been opened for us to have a dream center in downtown Durham. And these are, come on now, that excited you, that excited you. And this will be something that all campuses get to celebrate in. But as we build a dream center in Kenya, they're already laying the bricks and the foundation and the mortar. I mean, it's coming up. I'll show you some pictures of that next week. And then as we're doing that, um, we could possibly have one here in Durham. And in both locations, they are centers to offer hope. Centers to, to offer hope and resources to the needy, the down and out. The downtrodden, we can see it be in places where we feed people. We can see it be in places where we train people to get jobs. We can see it where we're doing courses and, and stuff to help people with addictions. I mean, you, it just goes, come on, just, just across the board. These hope dream centers. And imagine since God has already enabled us for many years now to have a campus in Kenya and seven campuses here in the central North Carolina area and in Columbia, how cool would it be if he allows us to do a dream center in both locations? I want to ask you something and then I'm going to move on. Will, will you please start praying about that? Will you please start praying that the door would continue to fling open locally? We got the one in Kenya, 
Pray that the door will open up in Kenya. And then will you start checking your heart, examining your heart, and letting God lead you as to what we might give towards the end of the year to quite possibly have the largest end of the year giving offering that we've ever had that would enable us to go after this. Will you pray with me about that? Praise God. Hey, um, last but not least, and it's actually the beginning of uh, where we're going today in the Word, I am so excited to introduce to you our guest speaker today, and uh, you are going to be blessed. I'd like to tell you about a one such woman of God named Tiana Spencer. Tiana Spencer is a wife, a mother of three girls, national speaker and Bible teacher, having developed a passion for the scriptures at a young age. She has spent the past 20 years teaching, 20 years church, teaching, discipling, and mentoring others to grow in their faith as well. She she currently lives in Monrovia, California, where she serves on the teaching team at Fellowship Church under the leadership of Pastor Albert Tate. She received the biblical studies degree from Biola University in Southern California and spends her time writing, discipling, and teaching others how to live an intentional life that pursues God, his word, and everything else he died to give us. Let me tell you something, New Hope. You're in for a treat today. We have, uh, God just keeps blessing us with these communicators that he connects me with that I'm able to bring before you. Nothing thrills me more. Nothing thrills me more than to put before you great women and men of God who can sling it and bring it. And I want you, listen, I was over here, we were worshiping like that right there. And I said, hey, we're just getting them ready for the word. And when she comes out at all of her campuses, I've told her, I said, there is not a church, I don't know of another church on the planet who, who really celebrates, and it's because I've always brought in the best teachers I can bring in. You know, do you know that I know pastors who, when they're not in the pulpit, <laughs> they'll bring in low caliber speakers so that when they come back in, they look all good and stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to always bring in the best people of God to bring the word of God in the house of God to the people of God. And you are in for a treat today. I won't, I told her, I said, you won't, you won't meet a church like this. I said, they, go, they love guest speakers. They love the word. Can I get an amen? And I want you to do what you do. Now, the Bible says, give double honor, give double honor to those who handle the word of God. I want you to do what you do at all of our locations. Give it up. For Pastor Tiana Spencer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Y'all are amazing. I'm already at home. Amen. Y'all excited about the word? Oh, y'all gonna talk back to me today, huh? That's all right. Come on, talk to me. I'm excited about the word. We're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12, okay? It reads as this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I was 18 years old when I started showing symptoms. Uh, it all happened actually very quick. By, on Monday, my, I had a lump in my throat that was making it very painful to swallow. And by Friday of that same week, I could barely walk. Um, I was in so much pain from my head to my feet. I was in so much pain, I could barely walk. And so I began to go to the doctor to try to figure out what was going on. And this doctor told me it was mono, so they prescribed something for me. This doctor said it was a bacterial infection, so they prescribed something for me. And I was in and out of doctors for almost six months. Um, and no one could really help me figure out what was going on until one night I went to dinner. I was at college, and I went to go eat dinner at the cafe, and I could not hold my fork. And a young man looked at me, and he said, what's going on? And I, I said, I, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I can't, I can't hold my utensils. My muscles and joints are aching. And he said to me, um, have you ever thought about rheumatoid arthritis? And I said, that's for old people. Excuse my naivete. And I said, and I, so I went back that night, though, to my room, and I began to Google things. And I knew, after spending some time on Google that evening, that I either had lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. I went to the doctor and... Um, Within a week, I was diagnosed with lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease where uh, my body cannot tell the difference between a good cell and a bad cell. My immune system can't. So what it does is it attacks everything. It attacks my organs. It attacks my joints and my muscles. And so I was diagnosed with lupus at the age of 19. But I was in and out of the doctor for six months, and no one gave me a single blood test. Not one. Isn't it interesting that for six months, all the doctors were trying to find was what from the outside was coming in to destroy my body. What virus was it? What bacteria was it? What from the outside was coming in to destroy my body when all along, it was my own body that was actually destroying itself. My own body was destroying its own chances of survival. You guys have been in a series called Grit, and, and I've watched a couple of messages, and Pastor Benji's been teaching how to persevere and how to survive and finish strong. And, but I want to come and encourage you this morning that this is not just about how you finish strong. This is about how the church of Jesus Christ finishes strong. And it is one word, how we finish strong together is unity. You see, I firmly believe that we will not be able to persevere and do all that God has called us to do if we do not do it together. In fact, this is what Paul is, is addressing in the church of Corinth. Paul is writing to a church he planted himself, one that he loved. He's writing to them because their behavior was threatening, like my body, to destroy themselves from the inside out. They had a lot of issues and a lot of division. Particularly, they were talking about spiritual gifts in this chapter. And it was causing them to pit each other against each other. And they were destroying themselves from the inside out. And so Paul is writing, he's saying, no, you can't be divided like this. Do you, do you realize what you have? He's saying, you've all drunk from the same spirit. You are now one body. He, he's telling them that their job is to not let anything disrupt that. Do you know that we are one body? Somebody say one body. If you are a believer and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, meaning we not only are fashioned in his image, but y'all, we house his very essence. We are one body. 
The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us. We are one body, one body. And it's been put in us, the spirit of God in us so that we can do all that God has called us to do as one body of Christ unified. And our job is to make sure that no one comes and disrupt that. Paul says it in Ephesians 4 this way, walk in a manner worthy of the calling in all gentleness and humility and patience, being diligent to guard the unity of the spirit. Our unity is crucial to us finishing strong and to us persevering and to us embodying grit. We have to make sure no one disrupts it. But what happens when we become our own perpetrators? You see, we can talk about the world attacking the church and and life attacking the church. We can talk about how culture is attacking the church. But do you realize that just like the church of Corinth, we too have the potential to destroy ourselves. We like to blame everybody else, but sometimes it's an inside job. And, and this is why, because though we are one body, we're also many parts. Somebody say many parts. many parts. And that's where things become tricky because every person that makes up this body comes with their own set of issues and, and troubles and humanity. And so there is a high potential for us to disrupt our own unity without any outside help. In fact, this is what Paul's alluding to in this passage. He's using this analogy of the body to point out toxic mindsets that we tend to have amongst ourselves that hold us back personally and ultimately threaten to destroy the unity and perseverance of the body. And the crazy thing is that these mindsets, I'm going to show you, are so embedded in us that oftentimes, without us even realizing it, they show up in everything we do. So I want to talk about it today, if that's all right. I want to talk about these mindsets I want to talk about because I believe if we finish strong, we want to finish strong, we have to deal with them, church. So I want to talk about the mindset of insufficiency, the mindset of inefficiency, and the mindset of unnecessity. Are you ready? Y'all ready? All right, let's go. Mindset of insufficiency. Look at verse 15. He says, now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, stop right there. Because I believe many of us are stuck right there. Living life obsessed by what we are not. I'm not a hand. I'm not a singer. I'm not this. I'm not that. Now listen, this is huge. Because in order for you to see what you are not, you had to first look to see what you were and then make a conscious decision to say, it's not good enough. Think about that. You are saying to God, what you put in me is not good enough. What you've given me is not good. It's insufficient. The masterpiece you made is lacking. Now, we will not say that to God, but if we're honest, that's what we're feeling. We're feeling slighted, like we got the short end of the stick, and we all struggle with this at some point or another. The mindset of insufficiency is is easy to have nowadays, especially with social media. Y'all, the enemy is having a field day with this. We we have become professional virtual stalkers. (laughs) Am, Am I right? All day, we are staring and staring at what everybody else is doing. We are stalking, right? We wouldn't say that, but that's what it is. And so what what it does in us, though, is it surfaces in us all the discontentment we have of what the Lord has or has not done in us. Do you see that? As we are staring all day, that's what it's doing. But here's the thing. We've gotten smart. We realize it's doing that. So now the popular thing to do is to take a social media break. I'm off it for a little bit. I'm just going to cleanse. That's what we do. But here's the thing, church. You getting off social media does not fix the problem. It just removes the mirror. That's it. 
That's all it does, it removes the mirror. And maybe it's not social media for you. Maybe it's something else that surfaces discontentment with your life. Maybe it's this person's relationship. Maybe it's this person's job. And you're constantly seeing it and it's surfacing discontentment. So what you're doing is running from it and not dealing from it. Because at some point, we have to decide to stop running from these mirrors. But we decide that we're going to stare these mirrors in the face and take every single thing they surface to the feet of Jesus. Because if we don't, the tragedy is that we'll be so busy staring at all that we aren't, we will miss up, end up missing out on the beauty of all that we are. Y'all, this has been my story. I'm just going to be honest because I feel like we family. So I'm going to tell you, this has been my story. I've been a, a runner as long as I know. As soon as something had made me come face to face with myself, I would run. So if social media was causing me to be jealous, I'm going to get off of it. If relationships are causing me to compare myself, I'll mentally check out. And that's what I would do over and over and over again. But I realized I was never dealing with anything. And this is what I've learned about God. God never surfaces things to shame us. He surfaces them to heal us. That's what he's doing every time. He's saying, that thing you're feeling, that jealousy, I want to heal that in you. That discontentment, I want to heal that in you. He's not surfacing it to shame us, to heal us. But we have to decide that we're going to begin to face these issues instead of running from them. Amen. For me, what that looked like is me allowing myself to feel the feelings of not being enough and warring with them in prayer. It looked like me allowing myself to feel the feelings and sitting with my therapist to talk and pray through them. It looked like me having very honest and, and embarrassing conversations with family members and friends. And you know what that has led me to? Healing. And healing has led me to contentment. Y'all, I, I, honestly, I like myself more now than I ever have in my life. I think I'm pretty bomb, really. And that's not, and that's not in a conceited type of way, that's in a healing type of way, because I'm seeing myself how Jesus sees me. I'm seeing myself the way the Creator has always seen me. And so I realized this is what we need to do as, as the body of Christ. We need to begin to deal with these things because we realize we are enough for Him. We're enough. We don't need anything. And if you want to finish strong, you have to deal with the mindset that you are not enough because it is a lie. You are who he says you are. And if you don't believe that you are who he says you are, you will never believe that you can do what he's called you to do. The second mindset that we see in the body of Christ, as we see Paul talking about this, is the mindset of inefficiency. Look at verse 15. He says, now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. I want you to see what Paul is doing here. He's painting a picture of the irrationality that comes from not knowing who you are. He says that the foot cannot say that because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. He says the foot cannot say that. Why? Because it's illogical, right? We know that, right? It is illogical to think that just because you do not play one part, that automatically means you do not play any part. It's illogical. Because just because you aren't one thing does not mean you get to declare yourself useless. And yet that's what most of us do if we're honest. Because you've gotten into the mindset that I am nobody, that we live lives as if we have nothing to offer. In other words, we declare ourselves useless. And you need to hear this morning that a mindset of uselessness will always lead to a lifestyle of carelessness. A mindset of uselessness will always lead to a lifestyle of carelessness. You'll be careless with your dreams. You'll be careless with the things that God has called you to. You'll be careless with your ambitions and the way you speak about yourself. You guys, we do not care for things we deem useless. When something is useless, we treat it as such. So I want to ask you this morning, how have you been treating yourself lately? 
Have you declared your gifts useless because they are not what you would like them to be? He says, just because a foot says it's not part of the body, that doesn't mean it's not part of the body. No, the foot is just for some reason speaking nonsense about itself. Listen, just because you say you are useless, that does not mean you are actually useless. You are for some reason speaking nonsense about yourself. You still have purpose. And the only person that is sabotaging it is you. There's still purpose in you. There's still use in you. Look at verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of spelling be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just where he desired them to be. He wanted you exactly what you are. Whatever God has put in you, it was intentional and by design. This word desire in the Greek means God's best offer to someone willing to act on it. God's best offer to someone willing to act on it. Everything he put in you is his best offer to you if you are willing to act on it. The shame tape that's played in my head all my life is, who do you think you are? Anybody else have that tape? Who do you think you are? It's, it's ever since I was a little kid. Why do you think you can do this? Why do you think you can do that? And so over and over and over again, I was convinced that I was useless. I had nothing to offer. And all that God put in my heart was never going to come to pass. And I don't want you to think this is something that I fully defeated. The only reason I am doing the amazing things I'm doing today as far as preaching God's word is only one reason. My pastor made me. He made me. I was at his house and he, he said, we had a, a really hard conversation. He said, Tiana, by the way, I'm putting you up to preach in a few months. This was a few years ago. He said, I'm putting you up to preach. And I was freaking out. And I was like, no way. God, you're not putting me up to preach. And I literally was nauseous for a whole week. Because the shame tape in my head said, you can't do that. You can't get up there and teach. Anybody going to listen to you? Who do you think you are? Over and over and over again. Oh, and I knew I had a gift to teach. God, I've been teaching the Bible in some way since I was 14 years old. I knew it, but the shame tape was louder. Yet God used this man to push me into my calling and now I'm living in God's best offer for my life. And it's good. I get the insane privilege to travel across the country and teach and equip God's body. It has been amazing. It's been his best offer for my life. But if I'd have kept listening to the shame tape that said I was useless, that said, I could not do anything. If I kept listening to it and allowing it to bind me, I would not be doing what God has called me to do. I would not be living in his best offer for my life. Listen, God's best offer to you is on the other side of your obedience. And you, you may not feel like it's God's best offer. Let me just be real. Because some of you are thinking about yourselves right now. This is it? This is his best offer for my life? You're thinking about it, and I'm just being honest because we've all been there. We're sitting there and we are discontent with whatever it is. That, and we're like, this is all, I, they get to do that, but this is the best offer for my life. And I'm saying to say to you right now, yes, act on it. Act on it. Maybe you don't fully understand it. I'm saying act on it anyway. As God reveals to you how he's gifted you, don't question it, compare it, or downplay it. Act on it and see what God will do. See how God will show up in that thing. It's his best offer to you. And you won't even know until you step out on faith and do what it is that he's put inside you to do. 
It's his best offer. You are not useless. You have purpose. Listen, the final mindset that we see in the body of Christ is the mindset of a necessity. Not only are you enough, not only are you useful, but church, you are necessary. You are necessary. And this might be the hardest one for us to believe, that you are necessary. Listen to what verse 21 says. He says, I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Listen, you are necessary. But the third toxic mindset that threatens the unity of the body of Christ is the belief that you aren't. But you guys, we are one body. Somebody say one body. You not loving who you are affects all of us. You not functioning in all that God has called you to function in affects all of us. You are necessary. But the thing is, it is hard for us to actually believe that, isn't it? I mean, sure, you may be able to get me to believe that I'm enough. You may be able to get me to believe that I'm useful and have a purpose, maybe. But but necessary? No. No, why? That's where we stop because logically we know that just because something's useful does not mean that it's necessary, right? We logically know that. And because we know that, it becomes easy for us to adopt a mindset that recognizes our purpose but negates our responsibility. God, I know you put this in me, but I don't have to use it, do I? They'll be fine without me. Someone else will do it. And somebody else can probably do it better. Listen, no one can do what you do how God created you to do it. Somebody needs to hear this and really let it sit with you that nobody can do what you do the way God created you to do it. No one can do what I do the way God created me to do it. And I know that it's something I'm growing to learn and everyone in here needs to get that. Everyone in here needs to understand that. Everybody is indispensable. Everybody is. Paul says, I don't care if they seem to be weaker. Everyone is indispensable. You see, the problem is that for so long we've equated visibility with necessity. And they're not related. We've equated visible, because the people up here, we're visible. You can see our gifts. The, the people on the worship team, the people who are teaching, and we think that visibility equals necessity, and they are not related. They have nothing to do with each other. God determines your necessity, not your visibility. God determines, and he said, everybody is necessary. Everybody, in order for the body to work the way it's supposed to work, everybody must be believing that they are who he said they are and that they can do whatever he put in them to do. And this is important because church, we have work to do. We got work to do together as the body of Christ. We don't have time to be stuck in these toxic mindsets that are paralyzing us from showing up in the earth. 
We don't have time for it. There's too much at stake. We got to stop playing games and we got to begin to deal with these things. We are all necessary and we have to get it because a necessity that negates its responsibility will become a liability. A necessity that negates its responsibility will become a liability. Seven years ago, I started noticing my ankles swelling off and on. And shortly after that, my legs were swollen. And I went in to go see a doctor. I had my husband and my kids with me. And we got there and the nurse took my vitals. And after she took my blood pressure, she looked at me and she said, ma'am, are you feeling okay? And I said, yeah, I feel fine. I'm just tired. And she just said, okay. I ended up going home and I talked to my parents later and I told them my blood pressure and they said, Tiana, you need to go to the hospital. And I thought I was a little overreacting, but I went anyway and I went to the hospital after waiting in the ER, got finally to the back and they started taking my vitals again and the nurse looked at me and she said, after taking my blood pressure, are you feeling okay? I said, yeah, I feel fine, I'm just tired. She said, okay. Uh, After a while, they did some blood work and before you know it, my room was swarmed with doctors and nurses and they told me, ma'am, your blood pressure is in stroke range and we need to get, get it down right now before your brain strokes out. They said, uh, you have so much potassium in your blood that your heart could stop. Uh, they said, you are blood, your blood cell count is so low that you need an immediate blood transfusion. Y'all, everything went downhill so quick and I was trying to figure out how because just the day before, I was just making lunch with my kids and I felt fine. A few hours later, we found out that the reason why all this was happening was because my kidneys were failing. The doctor said they were only functioning at 40%. So all of this chaos was happening in my body because of a kidney. One that was unseen and could probably be considered unimportant, yet this one organ had the potential to make all my other organs fail because it was not doing what it was created to do. Listen, I don't care if you think you are just a kidney. I'm here to tell you right now that you got work to do. I don't care if you think you are insufficient or inefficient. I'm here to say right now that you have work to do and the body of Christ is dependent on it. Listen to me. Take it from my personal experience that kidneys matter. They matter. We got work to do. Why am I saying all this? Because listen, church, we need healing. We need healing and we need to get free from these toxic mindsets that have been keeping us down for so long. We need to be free from being depressed about what God didn't give us so we can begin living into all that God did give us. We need healing. If we're going to persevere, if we're going to finish strong, if we're going to embody great, we need healing. When I first got to the hospital, they were hooking me up to all these wires and stuff. And I was sitting there in shock. A nurse came to me She asked me this simple question. She said, honey, what took you so long to come in? Why did you wait till it got this bad? I looked at her with tears in my eyes and I said, I felt fine. I felt fine. She said something to me that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. She grabbed my hand. She said, oh, sweetie, you've been sick so long. You don't even know what healthy feels like anymore. Church, my fear is that we as a body of Christ have been sick so long. We don't even know what healthy feels like anymore. 
My fear, church, new hope, is that because of these individual insecurities and toxic mindsets, we've been functioning at 40% for so long that we don't even know what a healthy church would feel or look like anymore. But I wonder what would happen, church, if I had some believers under the sound of my voice who were tired of being used as the enemy's punching bag and were ready to stand with me right now and declare that they will be all that God has called them to be. I wonder what would happen, new hope, if I had some believers under the sound of my voice who were enough with the schemes and tactics of the devil and were ready to stand with me right now and declare that devil, you are a liar and there is no truth in you. I wonder what would happen, church, if I had some believers under the sound of my voice, wherever you're hearing this, and you are tired of believing the lies, that you are, are not enough that you are not necessary, and that you have no purpose, and you're ready to stand with me right now and declare that I am somebody, that I have purpose, and that I am necessary. Do you know what would happen? This is what would happen. Look around, wherever you are. Look around the room. This is what would happen, because this is what happens when the body of Christ rises to be all that God has called them to be. We become one mighty army, unified in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We are one body, many parts. We are one body, many parts. We will not quit. We will not give up. We will be all that God has called us to be, and we will do all that God has called us to do for his glory. Amen. Come on, somebody bless him. Come on, somebody give God praise. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. God, we bless you right now. Healing Jesus. Healing Jesus. Show us who we are. God, give us the strength to believe it. We can't afford to quit. We can't afford to give up. Strengthen right now in the name of Jesus. Strength rise right now in the name of Jesus. We are who you say we are. We are who you say we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.